Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pandola Project. This is Matt Pandola with your Monday Motivation. Hello, Matt Pandola. Monday Motivation, episode 44. I am Jake Parker. We are here today to talk about energy pillars, and we're going to explain all about what energy pillars are, how to differentiate between them, and what's important about them. But first, Matt, you have had a hell of a weekend. Happy Monday, by the way. How was your Saturday? Saturday. Oh, it's funny you would ask me about Saturday in particular, Jake. How I thought so know? too. I thought that was just really keen of me. Now, I was super proud of my kids out on the track on Saturday. We are getting ready for the Boise Invitational, which is a tradition for us. We go every year. It's an indoor track invitational. We are not trying, in general, we're not trying to set any kind of PRs, although a lot of times we do get them. Yeah, you could. It's possible. We are an indoor track, so traditionally that's slower, but also it's preseason. And the kids just are always so excited. There's so much energy at that meet because it's a small track, obviously, and a lot of people are there. It's a national qualifier, and just no matter where you are on the track, it's just energy coming at you. Everybody's cheering and having a great time, and so... We always look forward to this meet and just in preparation, we're at the track. We're not trying to overdo it. We're just kind of getting our wheels turning and feeling good about our, I guess you would say, relaxed, fast and free is me kind of quote unquote speed. And everybody was just crushing it, feeling good. But um, man, I'm just so proud of these kids. I like that mantra, fast and free is me. So, all right, Matt, that was your Saturday day, but then you also hopefully had some kind of a Saturday night. Did you catch the UFC McGregor fight? Yeah, Jake, I actually did go to see the fight. Buddy of mine, Joey, he had the fight over at his house, and Joey was a boxer that I trained for years and years. Uh, still advise him on his training, but he's an attorney now here in Reno, but uh, he was a top 10 in the world. I think seventh by most standards. A few uh, magazines had him ranked maybe third at the highest in the world. And certainly very well known here in Reno. Yep. Yeah. And he was in Civil War here against Jesse Brinkley. So anyways, Joey invited me over to fights. I always like going over uh, to his house for that kind of stuff because I can listen to what he has to say. It's so funny because, you know, all the armchair quarterbacks and I just listen to Joey because I figure, okay, I'm I'm probably better off understanding from his eyes, his point of view, what he's seeing than trying to guess what I'm seeing. It's certainly helpful. Like that's how I am with most sports that I go and watch with my friends. I don't really know the technical parts of what you guys are doing, but hearing them commentate, that's fun to me because they're like, that's their sport. And if he's a boxer and you're watching UFC, obviously I would listen to him over me. Yeah. It's funny. You always have some kind of commentary in the room, you know, oh, that guy, I wonder what cycle he was on or, you know, there's all these opinions I love that get it. thrown out. Yeah, I love it. Cracks me up. Stop talking, man. Yeah, stop talking. Knock you don't that know. Off. You're, <laughs> you're not him. Stop that. <laughs> exactly. Which actually I have to say, um, guy like McGregor, it's, there's nothing about him like it's so crazy that it couldn't be natural. I, I don't know that he is or isn't, but just seeing how he fights, obviously the skill sets he had to develop all on his own. So, and I think mental flexibility, if you watch that fight, 
it's not like I'm some kind of huge McGregor fan. And as a person, again, I don't know him, but him, you know, throwing a chair through a bus and at least the persona he lets you see in the media. I'm not, I'm not a fan. Yeah, exactly. But it, like you said, I don't know him. Maybe that's just a character. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a character. It's still inappropriate. I'm yeah. not a big fan of that. But I will say I'm a big fan of the mental flexibility part. Is absolutely amazing to watch with a fighter of that caliber. I mean, his man, he basically broke the cowboy's nose with a shoulder jab. I mean, I've heard of elbow jabs. I've heard of just a puncher's jab, but a jab with his shoulder. Like a shoulder check. Right. Yeah. When he was basically only thing he could have used in that situation was really his shoulder. And who would think to do that? I think he broke the cowboy's nose there. And um, and he ended up ending the fight very quickly in 40 seconds, which is one of the fastest in UFC history, I believe. So anyways, that was kind of fun to watch and uh, reminded me of how important it is to be mentally flexible. Absolutely. And I mean, love him or hate him, the guy is a phenomenal athlete. And I, I think at least for the work that he portrays, I think he certainly deserved it. But you know what I think Conor McGregor is great at, Matt? I bet he's got excellent energy pillars. Sure he does. So that leads us into what are our energy pillars? So we are going to check off the boxes here that we talked about at the beginning of the year. And every day you want to ask yourself about whether or not you're staying accountable to your goals, to your why. And are you checking off the box? Are you rating yourself one to 10? If something is, let's say, below an eight, probably something to work on. So with our energy pillars. The first one is kind of obvious, but you need air to live to survive. But we forget a lot of times how important it is just to do some nasal breathing, work on some meditation, or even just working on how you're breathing as you're walking to the bank. So these are things that we've talked about in the past, and we can talk more in depth in the future. The other thing that we really want to pay attention to is water intake. So making sure that we're staying hydrated. And again, you know, basic rule of thumb there is a half an ounce per pound of body weight, but not including what you're sweating out in general. That's just what you need to get base level. But those two things, although they are first and second to me, not the topic today. It's the third part of that energy pillar, which is nutrition, that we're going to focus on today. And that is the second part of our conversation for our logging. So we want to talk about that today. So your nutrition is going to include, obviously, your whole foods, you know, your vegetables, your meats, and then all of the different macronutrients like protein, carbs, fats, and all of those things we are going to get into. But I think it's important, Matt, that you start with your foundation is do you have complete foods in your diet? Because everyone gets all worked up, like what's the cool new supplement that I'm going to start on this month? But really, you often forget just to make sure that your plates that you're eating throughout the day are sufficient. Yeah. And I like the fact that you just said diet. And I know you didn't even mean to. It's just part of our vocabulary. It is. And I'm trying to retrain people around me, not even to say the word diet, is we want to think differently. Diets mean being exclusive to me, and we want to be inclusive. Like a diet that cuts out carbs, for example. It, they focus on what not to do. Drives me crazy. I'm sorry, but if you're listening and you are on some kind of a quote-unquote diet that cuts out a major a macronutrient, a carb, a protein, a fat. I mean, that is, to me, 
uh, a big mistake long term, I don't think that is going to work. Now, that's, you know, my opinion. There are some specific health reasons why some people may do well off of, let's say, carnivore or may do well off of a very high fat or ketogenic type of program. And that is for specific reasons to me, but it, to me, that's not the blanket approach that everybody should be taking. Oh, keto works for my friend. I'm going to do it too. Those kind of exclusive diets are, I think, potentially important for some of the demographic, but not most. Yeah, I agree. And they are unfortunately the ones that get the most press. You hear or you just walk through the grocery store aisle, the checkout aisle, all the magazines. It's all keto right now, man. It's, it's big fat. Everybody's on it or fasting. And we've talked about that in the past. And yeah, like Matt's saying, if it works for you, that's great. Just don't go around telling all your friends because you're probably not a doctor. So we're here to focus on the inclusive parts. What do we want versus what don't we want? And just as a mental health aspect, I like focusing on that better than the what not. Absolutely. So what kind of whole foods do we want to be able to stick with? So let's talk about the dreaded carbohydrate for a moment, okay? Because I think that a lot of the misunderstanding comes from high glycemic index type of foods. So for example, you take rice, which is considered high glycemic. That basically means anything on a scale of zero to 100 means that it's over 70. But when is the last time that you rate rice by itself, Jake? Thankfully, it's been years. I did sustain myself off of that when I was uh, not doing so well in life, but rice was a good friend to me then. But now, no, I always have it with something. Yeah, but even then, you could have done rice and beans, and it wouldn't have been at a high cost. <laughs> Expensive cans of beans, man. Now, you can get uh, beans, especially go to Trader Joe's or something, and you have to do more work, so it takes more time to bake the beans or to cook that way, but it's not expensive. I mean, rice and beans, that's a staple, and it's cheap. And you can do that getting in your amino acids, getting in your carbohydrates, and the two combined create a complete protein, for example. So the glycemic index is very misleading in that sense because I think people stay away from certain foods, not realizing that they're not supposed to be necessarily eating that food all by itself. So Jake, I'm not afraid of eating white rice, are you? Absolutely not, man. I have it uh, not all the time, but you know, semi-frequently. Certainly, I'm not going to think twice about eating it because I'm afraid that I'm going to gain weight from it. But the most I think important thing that I'm going to consider is what am I doing before, during, after I'm eating these meals? And if I'm going to use that energy, obviously I'm going to put that into my system so I have the energy when I need it. If anything, I'm going to be afraid of farting from all the beans. Yeah. And I'm not even worried about that. But again, I, I like to think of it as what's it for? What am I eating this for? And if it's just to have some farts because it's funny, then good for you. But if you're looking at your energy system, then you need to be thinking, what's this for? Because this is a macronutrient that has a specific purpose, and do I need it? So just to clarify this, there are times when I certainly won't have the rice, and this might be because I'm not going to be as active that day, or I don't have the energy demands for it, 
or I might have the rice and beans, but it's just going to be less of it. So this is where we just have to really look at sometimes going bite for bite and justifying our energy in versus energy out. This is a little bit of practice, but you can also start to look at your performance goals. You might rate yourself as being a little bit lower in energy after having too much rice and beans or other things for that matter that can make you feel bloated. So that could be something starchy or that could be broccoli. You've had too much broccoli and you feel gassy. I mean, it sounds like a joke, but when you have a lot of gas, there's something there that you have to pay attention to too. So too much of a good thing sometimes, or maybe sometimes you're just introducing something too much too soon and you have to go a little bit more gradually with those type of choices. The other thing, speaking of broccoli, that I wanted to bring up is how many servings a day that you're trying to shoot for when it comes to fruits and vegetables. So, Jake, how many servings of vegetables do you get a day? On average, at least two. I I certainly make sure to have it with lunch and dinner. Yeah. So three to four is the goal we should all be shooting for. I think that most days I'm hitting that, but... There are some days where I will just double down on my salad and I'm trying to get that big salad in. And I do believe that that can be something that really helps with your satiety. You have increased fiber. And of course, we can talk about what types of colors and the rainbow that you want to get in, especially with your vegetables. So we'll circle back to that. But how many servings of fruit do you get in a day, Jake? That one's lower for me, and I I don't really know why, Matt, because it's not that I dislike it. It's just that I have a harder time justifying my need for it, which I know that I need more servings. So, like, if it's on a day that I maybe am exercising, you know, just a normal day, then it's usually just one serving. So I've brought this up before, but bananas are a great example about what are we afraid of here? And I've heard people say bananas are bad for me. Oh, well, okay. Flawed statement in itself, but I I know where you're going. What, because of the high sugar content? Yeah, and the glycemic index, again, is kind of one of those carbohydrates that people steer from because of its rating, its higher rating. And in general, what we have to remember is, are we having that banana by itself? And in, in that, if we are having the banana by itself, what are we doing? Are we about to do a cardio session? Because we're probably going to use what's in that banana. Right. You would use maybe that full banana that you would eat would be, let's say, in the first mile or mile and a half of a run. You're probably going to use a much of that energy depending on how fast you're running. But the thing I would caution you on is most people think about a banana being the size um, that we see in the grocery store, it's probably, that's the size of two bananas. Mm-hmm. So I would just I would just caution people to look at your portion sizes. Be aware that sometimes just because that banana comes in its own casing doesn't mean that it's one serving. Usually not. With most of the grocery stores that I go to, Matt, they've got these huge apples and just these Frankenstein fruits that I've seen. And I know that these aren't really organic 
or at least natural foods. Maybe they're GMO, maybe they're modified in some way, but have you ever seen an organic actual apple from a tree, Matt? Most of them are pretty small. And then you get to the grocery store and it's kind of similar to like the antibiotics that go into meats. Like people, farmers are just pumping stuff into these foods to get them bigger because they can make more money selling them that way, which economically I understand, but that's not really nutritionally honest. Yeah. And that's an excellent point you brought up with organic or not. There's a couple of schools of thought on whether or not you should go organic. One thing I will caution people on is that if budget is at all an issue, I wouldn't necessarily go organic. Organic foods, I do feel better about eating them. I feel better about feeding those to my daughter, but there's still a long ways to go in the science on how much of that is really necessary or needed. And, you know, again, I know people get very passionate about these type of subjects, but the fact is that we still have a long ways to go in our understanding about what this is doing to us long term. So there are certain foods that maybe you eat a lot more of that you might go, let's say, more organic on, but I wouldn't necessarily buy everything organic because that can be very expensive. I agree with you, man. And if money's an issue, organic can be significantly more expensive. And I learned how a farm gets certified organic, Matt. It's not really that legit. I mean, I'm sure there are some of them who are great and everybody's playing by the rules, but but from my understanding, it's pretty easy to get certified as organic. Yeah. So to conclude with that, I think that if you have the budget for it, I'd probably go more organic if you feel strongly about it. But if, if budget is a concern for you and that's going to weigh in on being able to buy enough food, and I think that that's probably the next part of the subject that I would like to talk about, are we eating enough good food? And a variety Yes. And so that in itself means that we have to either decide that we are going to spend more time preparing this food or more money having it prepared for us. And we've talked about that before. I think that that is a big part of our planning, which is the first box you check off in your log. What kind of foods do we want to rotate, for example? So let's talk about the colors of the rainbow and how we put these colors into our foods. And let's just stick with salads for right now, Jake. I think that's an easy way to bring this in to just about anybody's programming. It's a lot easier to add colors of the rainbow to your salad than it is uh, let's say to other staple foods that you're used to eating, you don't necessarily want to add in a fruit or vegetable into your starch. So, you know, potatoes and blueberries don't necessarily go great together, but you're always going to love blueberries in your salad as long as you like blueberries. Yeah, your salad's an easy medium to shake things up. And so when we're talking about the colors, you know, we're talking about like purple. Matt, when was the last time you ate something purple? Because for me, it's it's been a minute. Yeah, no, I, I do okay with my colors, but I'm pretty conscious of it. I've been aware that I need to rotate these things in. And I also will say my wife, Erin, is good about preparing these things and putting this together for the week into our salads. So I do pretty good with the purple, but I think that, for example, an eggplant, 
purple eggplant is a great example. A lot of people do love the taste of it, and you can easily add that into your salads or even your other starches. It works really well with a lot of things. You don't have to go with that just because you need a different color. So make it fun. Um, also just onions, for example, purple onions, chop those up, put them into your salad or grill them up, whatever you want to do there. It's just the idea that you know that it's going to support your brain, heart, or cellular function. And that goes for blue foods as well, like the blueberries we already mentioned. Yeah, one of the colors that I know I lack in is orange. I do like the little clementine oranges, but that's, ugh, other than sweet potatoes, I can't think of anything orange. So yeah, Jake, with orange, the first thing that most people probably comes to mind is... An orange? An orange. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, that's a good one, but you also want to consider whether or not you are actually eating the color Yeah, itself. because you're not supposed to be, at least, eating the orange peel. You could. I, mean, I guess. There's nutrients in it. You right? weirdo. I right. knew a guy who used to scrape the white stuff off the inside of the peel with his teeth. Smart. I, I, in hindsight, it was smart. It was in high school, so he got really badly made fun of for it. But in hindsight, yeah, he got some good advice. Yeah, and you, that's where you want to get the pulp if you can. And, uh, of course, more fiber. And that's another subject we've talked about before is do you want to drink orange juice or do you want to eat oranges? Well, you want to eat oranges because you're not going to overeat the oranges, but you can definitely overdo it with the orange juice. Easily. Getting in too much sugar all at once, et cetera. But we look at orange colors helping with your DNA protection, your skin, those type of things. And this is all just part of what I try to round out in my programming. Again, I'm, a lot of these different foods help each other out. So it's never just about one thing doing everything. It's definitely about combining these foods to get the most powerful protection help support for your system for your body that you can all right well i've got an easy one for me matt it's red and like the first thing that comes to mind is a big red apple but honestly that's not that common in my my food plan more common for me is uh bell peppers i love red bell peppers it's great for your heart and lungs and also red bell peppers little known fact has actually more vitamin C in it than an orange. Well, what do you know? You don't have one option for your vitamin C. A red bell pepper? Thanks, Matt. I honestly, I didn't know that actually. And close to the red bell pepper would be a yellow bell pepper. That's different though. Yellows and greens are going to be more for your, your eye health and your bone health especially. But, you know, a yellow bell pepper or yellow squash. I'm, I'm one of the minority. I actually really like yellow squash. Absolutely. And white, let's not forget about our immune system. Garlic is the obvious answer there. It's important that we are getting in. Garlic to me is should be a staple and we're getting in enough garlic. I think that it's a lot of times shunned because we don't want that stinky breath. Just make sure the other person eating the salad with you, if you're going to be kissing, is eating the garlic too. Or just brush your teeth. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we're not dentists, but uh, yeah, you could brush your teeth once in a while. It won't hurt you. But the white ones, garlic, I know should be a staple because even you can even feel it when you eat enough garlic. You're like, oh man, that was cleansing. So in general, these 
apples, these berries, uh, the vegetables we've been talking about, they're great for antioxidant. There's thought to be anti-cancer benefits, antimicrobial, anti-inflammatory, anti-nerve degradation. There's lots of components there that you just know are helping to serve you and your body's going to be better off for it. So whether or not you are doing these things consistently is really the question because we, just like anything else, if you are just doing this occasionally once in a while, yeah, I'll get in my salad. This is not going to serve you the best thing you can possibly do is get consistent with these things. So why do I say that? Because you need to like what you're eating. So if there's stuff that you're just not into, that's okay. Just find the things that you are and whether or not we rotate these foods, that's always a big question. And do we rotate foods? I heard that's better. Well, yeah, it probably is better technically if you rotate foods, but you don't have to. I don't rotate my staple foods, for example, that often, Jake, because, I mean, honestly, they're easy. I know I can prepare them quickly, and I just go to them. But the other things that I can rotate in a little bit easier or quicker, I will. So, for example, strawberries instead of blueberries, red instead of blue, that kind of thing. I'll do that. That doesn't take any extra preparation. No, I agree. Rotate, to me, sounds like a cycle, and it means, like, all right, well, today's Wednesday. I got to add more greens and I don't do it that way. What I am aware of though, is that I do need more variety in my color scheme. And so that is how I interpret rotating foods. Like, okay, yesterday I did get a lot of greens, going to keep up with that, but maybe today I do need more reds or whatever, or it's even with the macronutrients or macro groups. Like last week, maybe I didn't have enough vegetables this week. I'm going to focus more vegetables. Good point, Jake. Power foods are so important and as long as you are taking in not only these power foods, but enough of these power foods, then I think it's time to think about supplementing. And even then I would consider why. So do you really need it for that next level of performance or do you need it just for that next level of you? So of course, not all People have to be athletes to benefit from supplements, but I do think that your nutrition should be at least 80, if not 90% integrity and quality. If you're having trouble getting in enough protein, for example, and maybe you do want to switch the variety of your protein, that sometimes can be a little bit easier by buying a protein supplement. And that was something I certainly do. I'll actually get a vegan protein supplement one cycle, one month, and another month I'll get something that's more ISO way. So there, those are just examples of how you can switch out some of the supplements. But with, for example, I use Barleen's Omega Swirl for my ultra high efficiency fish oil, they call it. If, In other words, if I want to be able to have an immune system booster and I want to be able to really run at optimal levels, I'm probably going to get that extra supplementation in. I kind of think of omegas as being the transporter for a lot of the nutrients that I'm taking in along with water, obviously. So that's just an example of something that I will invest in. And I do think it's hard to get in enough of your omega-3s 
especially if you're concerned with mercury by eating fish three or more times a week. Yeah, that's also on my regimen. I do take omega-3, 6, and 9. And similar to you, I know that I'm not going to get in those many servings of fish a week, and so I have to find it somewhere else. But the philosophy is it should come from food if it can. Yeah, you're probably getting in enough of the six and nine, but the omega-3 is what's really hard to get. So that's where I focus a little bit more on that. And then, of course, we've talked about vitamin D3. It's hard to get enough of that because this is our food from the sun. We don't tend to get in enough of that with our sunscreen on and with our layers on. Um, And we all live or we all work inside. So yeah, you know what, Jake, the vitamin D3, that's something that I think, well, I suggest that you look into it with any of these areas we're talking about. I honestly don't think you should just take my word for it. I'm just telling you what has worked for me, what has served my athletes. And this is something that I'm pretty sure that I'm steering people in the right direction with because vitamin D3 is a hard food from the sun to get, especially because we have to be concerned with how much of the sun we get nowadays. So most of us are too low in that vitamin D3. Now me as an aging athlete, vitamin D3 also will help to boost my testosterone, my natural levels of testosterone, which is important as well. And then of course, magnesium citrate is the other big one that I take, which helps me to sleep a little better, but also just helps my muscles recover and relax, respond, repair. So those are the main ones that I will take, even though I am following a healthy nutrition plan. So there you have it. Those are a few of your essential energy pillars. Be sure you're thinking about all of these things when you're making your own nutrition plan. Don't focus on one area. Focus on what you can include versus what you should exclude. And you can justify to yourself if there are real reasons that you need to exclude something or maybe parts of something, but don't just look at it as I need to get rid of this whole category of macronutrients altogether. That's not sustainable. And it's also probably not going to be very much fun which is another whole element to this. If you hate the plan that you're on, you're probably not going to want to stick with it for very long. I'll just finish with, if the advice that we're giving right now doesn't match up with what's been working for you, and I mean for years, then maybe don't listen. Do what works for you. But a lot of times I think that people have been doing something either for a very short amount of time and it's it's just going to end up in another diet gone wrong or what we're telling you can enhance what you're doing. But do what works for you. And let us know. As always, you can email us at pendolaproject at gmail.com. We do love hearing from you. You can also get in touch Facebook or Instagram as well. So remember, guys, every day, not just today, is your chance to improve your energy pillars. Thanks for listening.